What's up, Week 15 listeners? We're hyped for another episode today. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about floors and ceilings uh, for some top-round guys. Um, then we're going to be talking about some mid-round diamonds. And then uh, I got a fun story on how I have a personal relationship with an NFL quarterback. Um, before we get into that, I want to remind you guys that we are doing fantasy leagues for this podcast, the Week 15 Fantasy League. Um is happening. Uh, we filled one league already in our Facebook group, Week 15 Podcast on Facebook, and we're halfway through filling a second league. We'll do as many leagues as you guys want to do. We're excited to play with you. The way those leagues work, there's a $20 entry fee. The winner gets $200, but Tyler and I are also in this league. We each have a team, and you got to beat us to get that. If we win, that money goes to the podcast. helps us grow on our side of things, so bring it on. We're putting, we're putting our, our skills out there. We're ready for um, ready to see what you guys got. I'm excited about that. Another reminder is that we're putting out exclusive content on our TikTok at Week 15 Podcast. Um, that content uh, is not going to be mentioned in the podcast. It's going to be a little bonus, a little bonus action for you on our TikTok. Uh, we're trying to grow that, so we would appreciate your support there as well. Um, before we go any further, Tyler, give me a win. Yeah, my family and I, um, we got a new dog this week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he is uh, like a golden retriever lab mix. He's like 105 pounds. I was going to say, he's a big boy. Yeah, we have <laughs> we have little Olsen, and now we have Walter. So I actually named him after Walter Payton. Not a boy. Um, yeah, he's a big boy. We got a little dog and a big dog. So We're dog people. My, my wife loves cats, but I love I love dogs. My dog's named Tebow after Tim Tebow. My this is our place. first rescue, so we're like in our transition period. Sure, yeah. So it's... It's it's uh, interesting right now, but he's such a good dog. He's super chill, but yeah. What's your win? Uh, my win, we had a nice little family trip this week. Uh, I know school's coming. I'm sorry to say that to you because you're going to be working when school comes back as yeah. a teacher this year. Congratulations so for that. break is over. Uh, for me, uh, I'm a little bit excited about the the free time that's gonna i'm gonna have with school coming back um but no we're, we're, we're treasuring this time with our boys and uh so the fact that we were able to go on this trip before they go back to school was good for our family and just always love spending time with my wife like that and uh so big win big win this podcast is sponsored by brothers and cards we are a sports cards company committed to glorifying God and loving others through the sports cards hobby. Whether you're trying to rip packs, join breaks, or add to your collection, we got you covered. Go follow us on Instagram at Brothers and Cards and check out our subscription box at BrothersandCards.com. All right, so topic number one today is going to be floor ceiling. So for those unfamiliar, uh, a floor is a baseline of what a player is going to give you, and then a ceiling is where we potentially think he could finish. So you want to draft guys, um, let's say wide receiver 14. If you think he can beat that ADP, average draft position, where he's being drafted in your fantasy drafts, those are the guys you want to target. Um, and then obviously a ceiling is the guy's potential. So, Johnny, your first name that you gave to me was Garrett Wilson. Give yes, sir. Your thoughts. Yeah, Garrett Wilson, man. You know, I've talked about him a lot um, as to why I like him with Aaron Rodgers, how I like his playoff matchups in Week 15. Um, and uh, I, I see his ceiling uh, extremely high. Um, the Florida ceiling that I put down was the ceiling being Devontae Adams. 
with I, now I don't think he's as good as Devonte Adams. Given the choice between the two, I'm going to take Devonte Adams ten times out of ten. But the way Aaron Rodgers used Devonte Adams with the supreme route running skills, with the um, you know smoothness of the route running and um, the aggression to the ball and stuff like that, I, I, I think I see a lot of that in Garrett Wilson. I know he's young. Um, I think that ceiling is Devonte Adams. I think that floor is Alan Lazard last year. Yeah, you know, and I know Alan Lazard's on his team this year. Um, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Garrett Wilson's going to be the number one target over Alan Lazard. But, uh, I, you know, just in terms of production, you know, Garrett Wilson had, he only had four touchdowns last year, but he was a thousand yard receiver with Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, Mike White. Um, Aaron Rodgers is quite the step up. A lot of those drives are going to get to the red zone that couldn't get to the red zone last year. Um, I just see huge potential for Garrett Wilson. So he's currently being drafted 19th overall, wide receiver nine. Yes. Yeah. What? Where do you think at the end of the year he could be ranked? Yeah. I mean, top five. I, I do. do I, I, think, five I think. Potential? I think he has top five potential. But like that would be his like ceiling. You know. I think. Um, you said he's wide receiver nine right now. Wide receiver nine. When, when I look at that list, I think there's probably like maybe three or four guys that I take him ahead of right now. Uh, cracking that top five, though, is just kind of a different level. I, I see him being like one of the best tier two receivers, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. So ceiling around wide receiver five, and how about a, how about a floor? Where's, yeah. where's the lowest do you think he's floor? I mean, Alan Lazard to me is – I'm not drafting Alan Lazard. Um, and that's, that's where I think uh, it could go. I, I think Aaron Rodgers – like last year, every receiver that he had on his team last year was worth drafting because they had Aaron Rodgers. Right. And so, like, the floor is always going to be, like, yes, you can get him because he's going to get some catches and he's going to be in good positions because of his quarterback. So I guess, like, saying I'm not going to draft Alan Lazard is a little unfair. Um, Garrett Wilson is never going to drop that low to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I can see him being, you know, a fourth-round guy, fifth-round guy at worst – because of who he has at quarterback. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get Wilson in the fifth. Yeah, if I'm you, talking next you, year, like right. after a bad year this year, whatever. If you do, congratulations. Yeah. So my first guy here is Chris Olave. Um, great rookie year. Um, but the thing that I like about uh, Olave this year is Derek Carr. Yeah, upgrade for I sure. Mean, Derek Carr historically has always supported a top 12 wide receiver. Yeah. Amari Cooper. And then, you know, um, last year... Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. Yeah. He just historically has always supported a top 12 wide receiver. And currently, Chris Olave is being drafted 30th overall wide receiver 12. So I fully believe that you are drafting Olave at his floor. Um, as far as upside goes, his ceiling, I could see him anywhere from, you know, in that 6 to 12 range. So I don't see him finishing below wide receiver 12. But I don't think he has that elite top five in his um, outcomes just yet. But I, I truly am a Chris Olave believer. So do you think Michael Thomas is going to have any effect? On I think Michael Thomas is going to take the mid-level stuff. Okay. Whereas Olave is going to take the top off. Okay. So I, I mean, think I think they're going to help each other. Yeah. I mean, we are football guys, right? Right. Yeah. You got to have routes at every level. And yeah. I think Thomas is going to be that short to intermediate, and Olave is going to take the top off. Yeah. You know, I, it's it's tough because it's going to be a completely new rapport um, with the quarterback. Chris Olave was the only weapon for a lot of last year yeah. at different times, or at least the only reliable, consistent weapon. So he kind of played every level 
as a rookie, which yeah. is hard to do. And some, some, you can kind of say the same thing for Garrett Wilson at times. Um, with having Michael Thomas back, it's going to help Chris Olave as a football player, as a fantasy production standpoint. You know, we'll have to see uh, what, how, how much Derek Carr works it around. I think, you know, you mentioned him supporting a top 12 receiver. Totally true. You also can look at his stats and see that it is heavy to one guy. I mean, Darren Waller had the bulk of his receptions before um, Devontae Adams got into town. Then last year with Devontae Adams in town, Devontae Adams got way more production than Darren Waller ever did. So it's like it's almost like you wonder who is Derek Carr going to choose or is he going to be able to space it out enough? Um, That's the main reason I've kept Michael Thomas and Chris Olave suppressed in my radar but i do think that they both are good receivers that have upgraded in quarterback and i'm excited to see how that plays out for both of them yeah, so the mean, ceiling is significant yeah i mean michael thomas is old and, sure and, and he can't stay on the field and he's a whiner and good quarterbacks don't like whiners i just uh, i think the sky's the limit for olave and i think you're drafting him at his floor at wide receiver 12 uh moving on to your second guy t higgins Yep, T. Higgins, uh, he's pre-ranked 32nd, so he's like a round three, round two guy kind of in there. Um, yeah, he's late third right now. Yeah, uh, it, it makes sense because he's wide receiver two, right? Um, they have Jamar Chase. But when I think about his Florida stealing, and you know I've kind of talked about this, like at any given time it could be a T. Higgins week. I apologize, that's late second round. Okay. My, my, my mistake there. No, you're yeah, good. Yeah, well, he's wide receiver 14 right now. Yeah, and, and you know, when I, you know, Jamar Chase is my wide receiver one. We've talked about that. Um, and, and knowing that T. Higgins is going to have some games where he, you know, if there's a 17-game season, T. Higgins is going to take the lion's share two or three times at minimum, you know. Um, so, I mean, I think his, with, with Joe Burrow at quarterback and the schemes that they run, I think T. Higgins' ceiling is Jamar Chase. Not not on a season-long basis, but like on a game-to-game basis. At any time, we you could get Jamar Chase on your roster with T. Higgins' name on it, I think. Higgins could win you a week is what 100%, you're saying. Yeah. 100%. I, I agree. You could have a week where he has three touchdowns. Like that's a, that's a possibility with how much they throw, with how aggressive Joe Burrow is, and what T. Higgins is able to do physically. Um, and then, you know, I think his floor is Tyler Boyd, where, where you know, he is – in a game, in a matchup situation, he becomes the third option. Tyler Boyd is a great waiver wire move most of the time. Like, that's his floor. Um, you know, I don't see him becoming wide receiver three there. But, like, on his worst day, his worst game, he might be third in targets with a quarterback that throws the ball really well and throws a lot. Yeah. Like, that's his floor. I mean, wide receiver 14, I, I think that's very, very safe in the in the late second round. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, give me your number, your second floor ceiling guy. DK Metcalf. Uh, he is currently being drafted 35th overall, wide receiver 15. And I, I think that the big upgrade for Metcalf is JSN. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, there are three elite pass catching options in Seattle right now with um, Tyler Lockett, JSN, and then DK Metcalf. And I think with the uh, attention that JSN is going to get, I think. DK, kind of like Olave, is a benefactor from having that second and third option. Um, we saw Geno Cook last year. Yeah. Um, I think that's, you know, Pete Carroll is a run-first guy, but that opens up play action, and DK is superhuman. And I think that we are drafting DK uh, at his floor right now, wide receiver 15. I don't see an outcome where he finishes much lower than that, but I could see him easily being – an eight to twelve guy as far as end of season ranks go. 
as a like as a quarterback, if I have to, you know, look at this list and start picking my team, like like I'm going to go play football and I have to pick these receivers to go, there's no chance that I have DK Metcalf that low. Yeah. Um, you know, just having a guy that 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 physical, that big and that fast. I mean, like if I'm Geno Smith, I know that once we get into that second quarter, once we get in that fourth quarter, my receiver has done more damage to that corner than that corner has done to my receiver. I don't care how many hits my guy's taking. That big, it is every run play is, is a is a winning battle. Um, and then the fact that he has so fast where you know when you have guys like Tyler Lockett and JSN who are going to occupy safeties to know that you have that one-on-one sprint with a guy who you have the absolute physical advantage with. I mean, I would take DK Metcalf in a heartbreak. He would probably be, if I'm playing quarterback and I'm selecting receivers to go play with in a seven on seven tournament or whatever i think dk metcalf might be like a top five guy for me yeah i mean physically let's think about contested catches for a minute i, I mean who, who do you want to throw that ball to right i want to throw the dk metcalf absolutely you know what i'm saying and and uh it, it but even like the even the the non even the plays where he doesn't make a catch the damage that he is doing to the defense is significant. Yeah. When it comes to fantasy value, I think the Seahawks are one of the most balanced teams in the league. Um, when you get in the red zone with them, you really have no idea who's getting the ball. Right. It's not like a Devontae Adams situation where you're like, they are finding a way to get Devontae Adams the ball. Um, with, with Seattle, it, it is truly anybody's game and that is why fantasy wise i kind of see him in that 15 spot yeah i think like we mentioned that top tier where they're they're gonna be these guys are gonna be force fed dk's not gonna be force fed but he's gonna be a big play option all the time and having jsn is only gonna help that so i see his ceiling as being crazy it kind of really depends depends on uh how much respect he's gonna get from defensive coordinators this year and I think it's going to be, you know, you if you want to beat Seattle, you have to stop the run game, right? Yep. So play action opens up, and I think DK is going to he's going to eat this year. Yeah. Let's move on to running backs, Johnny. Sure. I, I think that um, this one here you're going to have fun talking about because you are a Tony Pollard owner in a couple of leagues. So talk to me about Tony Pollard. Where do you, where's his floor? Where's his ceiling for you? Currently twentieth overall wide receiver. Or I'm sorry, running back nine. Yeah. Um. You know, I had I got Tony Pollard two years ago for like nothing in our keeper league um that's salary cap based and uh in my head it was just like you know they give zeke a lot of touches i think tony pollard has a wider skill set than zeke is kind of like how i always looked at it in this phase of their career yeah in this phase yeah and um and, and so then last year you know his production skyrocketed it and he he looked great right i mean he he played the part um and then this year with tony pollard or with zeke gone zeke scored 12 touchdowns last year he was the red zone guy pollard was like between the 20s as a as a as a tony pollard owner it was infuriating to see him <laughs> get a catch run take it for 26 yards run the ball for eight yards get another catch for 10 yards and then they take him out and put zeke in to plunge for a two-yard touchdown um I don't see anybody on their roster that they're going to hand that over to. So it, it, it seems right now that Tony Pollard is going to get to finish the drives that he earns, you know, and, and if you add on top of Tony Pollard's production, um, the touchdowns that Zeke, you know, more or less stole from him, he has potential to be RB one. I mean, in, in the league, like he has potential to be the best running back in the league. Yeah, that, that's, that's his ceiling. That's spicy, but I, I definitely uh, do. I definitely like it. I mean, just like again, I'm just looking at numbers and how much you know Zeke. If you add 12 touchdowns, which is what Zeke had, 
to Tony Pollard, which is, you know, even cut that in half at right. six touchdowns. Yeah. He's up there in RB1 territory. Um, so I do think that's his potential. Potential. That's a ceiling. Now, the floor is like all the Cowboys. You know, they 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 are known for not showing up at games. Um, they are known for schematically falling apart. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Kellen Moore. He's gone now. So now we get to find out, was it Kellen Moore or was it Dak? Like, that's the unknown is where the, the floor lies for Tony Pollard. Um, because are they going to be able to schematically use him for a whole game instead of just bits and pieces? Um, and you know, so we mentioned floor him being ceiling being he's he's running back nine now. I think potential is RB one. I think that's that's the ceiling. Unlikely, I mean, finishing top five is more likely to me. Uh, it's if a he's greater than zero percent chance though. Yeah, like, for, he sure. Could. And, for sure. And what I will say is that all running backs miss games no matter what. Yeah. But if we can project health for Tony Pollard. Yeah, I mean that the sky is the absolute limit. Yeah, if, if he can play fourteen, fifteen games this year, he will be at least the running back nine. Yeah, so I think you're drafting Pollard at his floor with RB one potential upside. Yeah, I, I, that was a good pick by you. Yeah, and, and you know I mentioned the the touchdowns by Zeke. Tony Pollard had nine touchdowns. Like he still finished drives even though he was giving up twelve drives to Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Um, and he also had three receiving touchdowns, a uh, thousand yard rusher as running back too. like, I, I just, like I said, if you take half of what Zeke had and give it to Tony Pollard this year, which is what they're doing, then RB one potential, the floor is just kind of like, you know, what, I think the floor is RB nine. If we, yeah. can, if he can stay healthy, yeah, we have, we haven't seen him take the bulk load yet, right? Nope. He that's, that's the only thing. That's the question. That's the question. And we, and we haven't seen the Cowboys without killing more in a while. So those are the, that's, those are the only things. But, yeah, I like Tony Pollard a lot. All right, give me your uh, running back. Uh, I'm going to go with Ramondre Stevenson. <laughs> uh, he's currently being drafted 26th overall at RB11, and I truly believe that that is his floor. I think that he is somebody who, without a doubt, will finish as an RB1. When I say an RB1, I mean 1 through 12. Uh, you're currently getting him, um, let's see, in the early th- second round. No, early third round. I, I'm sorry for that. Um, but he's all by himself. And Patriots running backs are usually something that you want. And if they do bring in another guy, then I'll temper my expectations a little bit. But as of this recording, he's going up against Pierre Strong and a bunch of other guys yeah. that we have never seen anything from. Um, Ramondre Stevenson was a league winner for you last year. I believe he went in the seventh round of fantasy football drafts last year. Now he's by himself. Damian Harris has moved on. And I think you're drafting him at his floor. Now, I don't think he has that Tony Pollard RB1 upside. Could prove me wrong, but I could easily, at the end of the year, see him finish as RB4. Yeah, I think think Mac Jones has every single bit of responsibility for Armando Stevenson because in, in fantasy football it comes down to touchdowns, right? Um, I was very disappointed with Mac Jones last year um, in, in almost every way, to be honest. And as I look towards this year, I'm like, okay, the Patriots are going to be a run first team. Uh, defenses are going to line up as a run first, you know, to stop the run first. The thing about Mac Jones is he's one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL. So if he can hit his stride and get to a point where he is able to provide Ramon Stevenson with the best option. I mean, cause there's, there's times, you know, I don't know how many times in, in college 
I mean, I was always quick to check to a pass play, but there's times where you have a run play called and you have to change the gap or you have to switch sides. You can, you can manipulate the run play to a better run play. Um, that Mac Jones, I, I, I believe he's an A plus in that category. So I, I like that for Ramondre Stevenson. Um, I just worry about Mac Jones getting his team to the red zone. If, if he is what he, we saw last year, that's, it's not a prevalent thing. They got a huge upgrade in offensive coordinator. Like we saw, one of, we saw one of the That's biggest Bill Belichick blunders last year. For with, sure, without That's picking. True. I mean, it's we're going from Matt Patricia to Bill O'Brien. Like that is a landslide upgrade. Yeah. So I, I, I think the Patriots' offense is going to be way better this year. They were abysmal last year. We saw Mac just screaming at the side. That's what I'm saying. That's what I mean by like disappointed. Like you know, and again, we don't know how much freedom he had either. You know, there's there's I mean Ben Roethlisberger was told by his offensive coordinator, like, you don't change my play. Like, yeah. that's crazy to me. I just can't fathom getting to that level and being in that spot. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I was disappointed in Mac Jones, and I have little faith in the Patriots' offense, but a new offensive coordinator is literally a brand-new start. So, you know. Especially somebody with the pedigree of Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Not a great head coach, obviously, yeah. but good coordinator. A douche, from what I've heard. But <laughs> that does, hey, if you win games, it doesn't matter, yep. you know. <laughs> Uh, Travis Etienne, our last uh, floor ceiling guy for you, and then I'll I'll take over. Yeah, you know, talk to me about Travis Etienne. Yeah, you know, came into the league with this guy, Trevor Lawrence. I was overly excited, honestly, about the pick when they got him. Um, I thought it was a reach to go get him in the first round. Uh, But what we saw at Clemson with the RPO stuff that Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne were able to run on a weekly basis against every level of competition, the rapport that's there. Um, I do think that it is it is probably the best quarterback running back rapport in the league. Um, we didn't necessarily see all the fruit from that last year, but as you know, the the <laughs> rust wears off from the Urban Meyer situation, yeah. we get into the Doug Peter Doug Peterson um, you know offense scheme team dynamics and all those things. Etn coming off the Liz Frank injury. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think I think the ceiling is what we saw at Clemson, which is red zone nightmare yeah. um, with the RPO situation. And I think they're willing to let Trevor Lawrence run in, in the red zone. I think they're willing to let um, Travis Etienne have multiple options because that's what that was the hard thing in Clemson was he was in RPO situations where he could possibly get the handoff, and if he didn't, he could leak out. Yeah. Um, and then go catch a pass. And go catch a pass. And I, I don't think there's – I think the, the percentage of running backs can actually do that is fairly small in the NFL. Um, but uh, Travis Etienne is obviously has that with Trevor Lawrence. And so uh, I think that's a ceiling of being a real red zone nightmare a, along with, a, you know, every play um, in a drive kind of potential. Uh, I do think his, his floor is like irrelevancy. Trevor Lawrence is the guy. They have all these passing weapons that they've been investing in. Um, the NFL is different than college. So, you know, that, that Clemson dynamic may never come to fruition. Um, so, like, I Travis Etienne is a high-risk situation for me, I think. Um, I'm not necessarily committed to putting him above a lot of my other guys. I just think that that potential is really there. And if you're, like, a Jaguars fan, um, you should be pretty confident in that matchup moving forward with him and Trevor Lawrence. So 28th overall currently RB 13. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, I'm like, he's kind of, he's RB 13 to me. That's rich for me. That. Yeah. Because Doug Peterson is historically a running back by committee guy. Yeah. 
and I'm not yeah. saying that that that's what they're going to do. Um, but I, I RB thirteen for me is rich. I think his floor is much much deeper. Yeah, like like twenties. Agree. Um, I think his ceiling. I mean. Do I think he could be a top 10 running back? I think he could squeak in at 10, like ceiling. Ceiling-wise, squeaks yeah. in at 10. Uh, floor, 20s. So a little bit of uh, avoid Travis Etienne talk on the show today. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess so. I, it, mean, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, it, this is I, what we're here for. When I, was, when I was going through and I was looking at the different uh, options in the first couple rounds, first few rounds, and I saw him in there, I was just like, that is a wide range between floor and ceiling. I agree. That's why we're talking about it. Yep. My last guy is Nick Chubb. Uh, he's currently going at the end of the first round, 12th overall, running back six. And I'm here to tell you that there is very little chance that Nick Chubb finishes as the RB6. I I, I don't see an outcome where he is not a top five guy. He he is one of the prime candidates to finish the running back one. Agreed. Overall. Um, you know, Watson is going to help him out a little bit. He will steal a little bit of run. Um, but I, I historically Watson likes to be in the pocket, likes to air it out. So I don't I don't foresee him taking too much of the goal line work. Hand it to Nick Chubb, let him pound it in there. Um and then, you know, we've talked about this before, but there's reports that he's going to be catching passes now, which for fantasy football, we we know that's what you want your running backs to do, especially in half PPR. Um, I've been I've been a Nick Chubb fantasy owner for a few years. It, he doesn't have a lot of catches, but when he does, like someone usually like dies, and and <laughs> he'll catch one flat and just mow somebody. And Kareem Hunt's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's 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 had screen touchdowns. Um, he's had he's had stints where he caught the ball just not it was you know the game plan last year if we want to throw to the running back we're putting cream hunt in yep um very rarely did they throw it so that like if i'm a defense and i'm like crap now we have to be like consistently worried about nick chubb catching passes like that's a problem i'm with you he's my rb2 we've talked about it i i love nick chubb i think it's interesting that he's that as low as he is i think it's a steal right now yeah i mean his, his floor is like RB seven. <laughs> I mean, I just I don't I don't see it there. Like, I, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't I like his. He could have a bad year this year, and we'd still I'd still be like he's RB eight right. next year. You know what I'm saying? Like it's he's he's great. All right. Um. Next topic. We're gonna start talking about these mid round diamonds. Everybody we've mentioned before now. Um. Basically, you know, round one or two, maybe three stretch guy. Uh, and we just wanted to talk about their risk reward. Now we're going to talk about some guys um, that you're looking at, you know, rounds five, probably six, probably seven. Um, We've got a couple eighth rounders in here, too. Even some eighth rounders that we think are just diamonds and that we are looking at um, as the draft goes on. And if they fall around past their ADP, like we're, we think it's a steal. We think it's a steal. So, Tyler, go ahead and give me your first guy that you are excited about in those mid rounds. Yeah, mid-round is where you win the league, guys. And um, it's really hard to win your league in the first few rounds, but you can win them in the mid-rounds. So my first guy is Alvin Kamara. Uh, I know he has an impending suspension coming. We don't know if that's going to be zero. We don't know if it's going to be four, five, six. Um, but currently 74th overall, running back 30. And I, I don't see a world where Alvin Kamara plays 12 games and finishes – RB thirty like that that is that is a running back three uh, for fantasy so he could be a guy um, with a timeshare you know with Kendra Miller 
who finishes RB22, and you've just bought yourself um, eight positions there. So I think running back 30 is low for Alvin Kamara in the sixth round. I think that's a steal, and if he's there, I'm going to take him, even with the suspension looming. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and I think when we see stuff like this, when we see suspensions or maybe early season injury, like like injuries that they aren't going to be healed from in week one or whatever, we get this like worry of like, oh, you know, at the end of the year, their stat lines aren't going to be what some of these other guys are going to be. Try to think of it as like a week-to-week basis, because Alvin Kamara, say he gets suspended for four games. In week five, we no longer care. <laughs> right. The, 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 <laughs> you know? the hard part about that is he does just have to sit on your team. Yeah. He, yeah. You can't put him in your IR spot. Sure. He'd just taken up a bench spot. So that right. kind of stinks. But again, this is why we don't draft yet. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and then like, you know, waiver wire situation. Somebody on your in your league is going to figure that out. Um there's always going to be movement on the waiver wire. Alvin Kamara's not going to be anybody's waiver wire. He's going to be on a roster. Exactly. Um, but like by the time, like if you're thinking about your league and you're like, okay, I've made these decisions here, my running backs, Alvin Kamara is still there. Like the insurance that you're getting in Alvin Kamara, even if he's suspended for four weeks, because say one of your top guys goes down in week two. Yeah. You can't play Alvin Kamara till week five, but once that comes, you're back to normal, you're back exactly. and healthy, like such a, Huge insurance play to me. Like I, I, I'm not scared of drafting Alvin Kamara one bit at RB30. I mean, in the sixth round. I mean, come on, nothing. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. All right, your first guy. Yeah, my first guy is going to be. Uh, uh, I'm going to go wide receiver. Um, Gabe Davis. Uh, Gabriel Davis is wide receiver two in Buffalo. I believe that Gabe Davis is a wide receiver one on like half the teams in this league. Um, when all the talk of trading him or of trading Stefan Diggs was kind of circling, like in my head, I'm like, they still have Gabe Davis and like, you know, he's, he's a stud. He had seven, um, touchdowns last year as wide receiver one. That's 15th in the league. Um, I just think that potential is even higher to be honest. I think Josh Allen, uh, is fine. I'm not worried about a drop off with Josh Allen whatsoever. Um, I think that, uh, on a week to week basis, they've they got better in the last two or three seasons. When I've watched the Bills, like I've seen them progress, I've seen defenses do better against stopping them. But as like a unit, I think the Bills are great. And um, to see uh, Gabe Davis in the at the hundredth pick, wide receiver forty two in the eighth round. Again, he had seven touchdowns last year. In what most consider a disappointing year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, for sure. And, and and I, you know, when we did our mock draft and I saw he was still there, I don't even remember which round it was. I was just like, wait a minute, what am I missing? Like, did he lose a finger? Like, like what what is the reason here? Um, I think there's too much stock put in the fact that he's wide receiver too because fantasy production-wise, he's above so many wide receiver ones. Um, I mean, again, I'm looking at this list. of I'm looking at the list right now of the most touchdowns, uh, and he's 15th, but like two or three of those guys ahead of him are tight ends. Yeah. So like as far as receivers go, he is like 13th. He's he's ahead of <laughs> you know so many wide receiver ones. If you pick up Gabe Davis and you put him on the Texans, wide receiver one, uh, right? Every I mean, ball. You, like that's you, you can make a case him. for that for yeah. like 12 to 15 teams in the league. Yeah. Right? I I'm a huge I mean in the 8th round, Tyler. 8th round Gabe Davis is there. Like shame on you for letting him get to the 8th round and he's a steal in the 8th round. I'm going back to the uh, running back well for my next pick. Uh, I'm going to go with seventh rounder Antonio Gibson. Running back, 34. Um, 
big help for Antonio Gibson this year is that J.D. McKissick is gone. Yeah. Over the past three seasons, McKissick has had over 200 targets. Wow. For the Redskins. Wow. And, you know, we like Brian Robinson, the person, but he's not a pass catcher. Right. And Antonio Gibson is. Um, so give me Antonio Gibson in the seventh round. Could I mean, he could win you a league. Uh, honestly, that's in his range of outcomes. Um, Brian Brian Robinson between the tackles guy Antonio Gibson is the you know take the top off the defense guy at any play could take um, an NFL play to the house uh, came over at came to Washington as a um, wide receiver made the transition to running back so we know he has the hands I think RB 34 is really low with McKissick's departure so I really like uh, Antonio Gibson this year that's fair. You know, I'm going to bring up David Montgomery again uh, for mine. He's, you know, sixth round guy, 72 overall right now. He is in the slot that garnered the most rushing touchdowns in the league last year. He's an upgrade at that position for the Lions. Um, you know, Jared Goff is a smooth guy. You know, he, he leads an offense. You know, say what you want about him. He leads an offense. Um, he's going to get them in the red zone. David Montgomery is a hard nose between the tackles guy. Um, I just, I just, you know, whether or not he can completely uh, match Jamal Williams, you know, league-leading touchdown stat of, what was it, 14, 17 touchdowns? 17, yeah. Like, I don't think that Dave Montgomery is going to get 17, but, you know, say 12. he gets 10, 12. Like, he's in the sixth round right now. You Running know, like back 28. Yeah. I just, that's too low. The potential is just massive. You know, he literally is in the same spot as the guy that had the most production last year. So, uh, you know, in the sixth round, I think that's just a crazy good steal. If he's there in the sixth round, I'm taking him. Fact, fun, 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 fun fact, fun fact, fun, fun fact, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts. Tyler, go ahead and give me your fun fact, man. My fun fact, uh, our senior year of high school, um, you know how they have the uh, all the seniors vote on things, you know, categories. Yeah. My wife and I, girlfriend at the time, we were <laughs> voted uh, to most likely to be together forever. Um, so good pick, class of 2010. Nice. You nailed it. I was there. I was in that class. You were. Nice. What's your fun fact, Johnny? My fun fact, as I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, is that I have a friend that is a quarterback in the NFL. Uh, a good Kirk, one. Yeah. Yeah. He was on the recent documentary on Netflix called Quarterback Kirk Cousins. Uh, it is super cool to be able to um, cheer for him in this way and like have that relationship. And uh, I want to go ahead and tell you my Kirk story because some people have asked me, like, how does it that you know Kirk Cousins? Like, here you go. Um, so I played quarterback at Taylor University and – um, his cousin, Megan Cousins, Megan France now, um, incredible human being. Uh, she was one of our managers. I was going through kind of a tough time my junior year. And uh, over Thanksgiving break, she went home, saw Kirk um, at Thanksgiving and brought back a signed copy of his book called Game Changer with a note that had uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in there, which is one of my favorite verses. And that meant a lot to me. You know, he was kind of going through some similar stuff at Washington that I was with RB rg3 um and uh you know just for him to send that to me and read the book and like just be encouraged by all that was a lot and um the next year my senior year uh i you know kind of position battle same thing got the job um was doing really well having a really good season and then i broke my ankle and my career ended and that was very hard um frustrating for sure 
a couple weeks later, I get a letter in the mail um, from Kirk Cousins, and I still have the letter. It's uh, It was amazing. I mean, just the encouragement that was in there, and at the end, he gave me his email address and said to reach out. Um, so wow. I did. Yeah, it was cool, man. It That's was awesome. it was a good feeling. Uh, I did. Uh, actually, Kayla like emailed him before I did, I think, and said, hey, I'm going to get she, – she got me for my birthday tickets to the Colts-Redskins game. It's crazy to think about the timing of all this because at the time – I was like so excited. By the time the game came around, they didn't even dress Kirk. Colt McCoy was the starting quarterback in that game. Um, and then they had like some other guys. Kirk didn't even dress in the game that I went to. Um, and so, you know, I got to meet him after the game, talk to him, just incredible experience. Um, you know, he was so encouraging to me and, and just kind. Uh, and then afterwards we kind of, you know, he said like, Hey, listen, like I do this camp up in Michigan, Holland, Michigan. Um, it's like a youth football camp for junior high kids. Like, is that something you would be interested in helping out with? I was like, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so, uh, I gave him my number, we exchanged numbers or whatever. And, um, and you know, not too long after that, he sent me an email with some of the information and, uh, talked to me a little bit. It was like, you can come stay with me and my family during the camp. So I was like, Cloud nine, couldn't believe it. You know, even driving up there, it kind of felt like, you know, this is a charity thing. Like, he's bummed I broke my ankle. Like, you know, this is what it is. Like, I'm just going to, like, sit in the background and enjoy this. Like, I had no expectations. Um, you know, we get there, and I meet his family, who's incredible. His brother Kyle is one of the coolest dudes. Um, and uh, his friends from high school, like, just, like, welcomed me in. And, like, it was just, like, I, I again, I thought I was just going to be in the background of this situation, like, you know. Just, just taking it in. Just take like a charity case. But no, it was like when we have the meals, it's like you sit here by me or you sit by my brother. Or like, you know, I was just like, um, like put at, you know, in such a good spot. Um, we got real close real fast, like me and his friends and, and, and his brother. And, you know, just such a good time. And the camp is just a beautiful thing where it's like, you know, just really about making football fun. Um, one of my best experiences, honestly, was being at that camp. And uh, so then it was like, hey, we're going to do this again next year. And then we're going to do this again next year. I think I did the camp for four or five years. Um, we didn't do it when COVID happened, but we did still have like a cookout where the, the families and, or the, the coaches, like his buddies and stuff went up and I was invited to that. And so I took Truman up there and, wow. uh, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, my son was riding around little Jeeps with his son. Like it was, <laughs> it was fun. Um, and no, his, like his wife, Julie, that you see in the, in the, in the documentary, she's phenomenal. Just outrageously kind and um they were just so welcoming to me and you know i i've been able to talk to them a couple times here and there um and we went uh let's see this would have been i think 2019 uh i flew up it was like either his first or second year in minnesota i flew up to minnesota and got to go to the game and uh you know see him after the game go in the in the team facility it's, it's funny because he you know, has to do all the interviews after the game and stuff. Mm -hmm. So like, he was like the last person that came in there and we were in there the whole time. We saw like everybody, we saw Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Alexander Madison was like right next to me. Um, there, there was another player, uh, named, uh, his name is Ifidi. I can't pronounce his last name, but he, we had some mutual friends from college. And, uh, so like, you know, my buddy was like, make sure you go say hi to him. And so I did, but he was like, he's a defensive tackle. And like, I don't know if you've ever been around a NFL defensive tackle, but it's like I like tapped him on the back and like felt like I was touching a rock. It was just like, <laughs> what? So it was like a cool experience just to be around the Vikings players while I waited for Kirk and stuff. And um, but no, man, I mean he's always just been outrageously kind to me, and uh, it's fun watching him talk on TV because it's exactly how he is. 
Like, like he is, he is so genuine. And like, if you hang out with him, that's exactly how he is. And so, yeah, huge Kirk Cousins, lifelong Kirk Cousins fan. Um, I haven't talked to him in probably like six months, maybe seven months, something like that. But, uh, and I don't know, you know, as his life gets busier and his kids get older, like, you know, I'm sure that, you know, we'll probably fall out of touch eventually. And that's okay. Cause I'm so thankful for the, the experiences that he's given me and the example that he's been for me. And so Kirk Cousins, man, my guy. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> I'm like taken back by that story. It's crazy. It's fun, dude. It was fun for sure. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, we hope that you have a inc- an incredible week. Uh, we hope that you're excited about fantasy football like we are. Make sure you comment on our stuff. Let us know how you're feeling because we want to interact with you. Join our fantasy football league. Hop on our Facebook page, Week 15 Podcast. Um, we would love to have you. This podcast is a So Will I Studios production. So will I.